Hi, I'm Ethan Wagner, Chief Editor for Excelsior. Before we get into the podcast, I just wanted to read some of Horace Mann's community guidelines. Speak from the eye perspective. Listen for understanding. Assume complexity. Expect and accept a lack of closure. And learning leaves story stay. Thank you so much for tuning in, and let's get into it. Hey guys, welcome back to part two of our series on Justice League. This time we're going to be covering uh, Superman, Aquaman, and wrapping up Wonder Woman, as well as the general plot and our general reviews of the four-hour film. Uh, before we begin, Mr. Cuddle is going to give a bit of a trigger warning. As with last week, you know there are themes of racism, sexism, anti-Semitism, misogyny, and abuse that could, as well as suicide, that could come up. Just as a as a precaution in case those do come up, we're going to give a trigger warning now. So, once again, thank you so much for listening to the Excelsior podcast. We're so excited. As Jordan just mentioned, we're going to be rubbing up against some issues. Um, Zack Snyder's Justice League was forever changed because of the suicide of Zack Snyder's daughter. In addition, um, Ray Fisher has leveled allegations, including allegations of racism. Um, Gal Gadot has experienced apparently some misogyny on the set we will be rubbing up against some of those issues. The Excelsior podcast is set up for fun. On the same token, we do not skirt away from issues either. If you believe that these issues or conversations about these issues might make you uncomfortable, it might be a good time to sign off. We will be having other meetings and other um, podcasts um, in the future. Thank you. All right. So with that, uh, let's get started. Last time we were talking about Wonder Woman, we ended with a conversation on how Zack Snyder clearly wanted to make her more of a mythological figure, as opposed to, you know, we have the MCU, which are very grounded, realistic superheroes. Um, So I guess, you know, we can kind of wrap up that by talking about her role in the film, which, at least to me, really appeared to be more of a harbinger. Right, she is the one who kind of goes to Bruce, tells him what's going on, and she is his main backing as he plans to resurrect Superman and all that. She is the only one besides him uh, who has had any glimpse into Darkseid and the future that he brings. How do we feel about her taking on that role? I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very well done. And don't get me wrong, obviously, um, the comedic aspects or un- unintended comedic aspects of that arrow with the Amazonians. Um, that was sort of a little ridiculous. That said, the, the battle with the Amazonians overall was fine. Um, the characterization, I thought that, oh my goodness, she's in everything. She's actually, I really like the actress. She's in Gladiator. Um, the one who, the actress who plays um, Wonder Woman's mother, mm. I thought did a very good job. Um, you know, obviously, you don't have Robin Wright back from the other movie, but I thought that the, the Amazonians were portrayed well. Um, and ultimately speaking, I, I like that they gave Wonder Woman greater importance mm-hmm. in terms of her bringing the group together. And, you know, yes, Bruce relies on her quite a great deal. Um, no, I, I really like the characterization overall in the Zack Schneider version, which once again in the Josh Whedon version was was horrible, and 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 I understand why she might have been Gal Gadot might have been frustrated, or why fans were frustrated, especially when you see the difference. Yeah. And like I said before, I, I 
the end shot was awesome. I, I <laughs> when she takes out Steppenwolf, that was just perfect. right. That was just cool. That was just cool. So um, I thought it was, I thought it was well done, and 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 they gave her, yes, while 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 getting her, it was a little bit silly in terms of the conceit. I think Gal Gadot handled it well, and in terms of where the story went from there, I thought it was well. Yeah, also. Yeah, I thought her portrayal was much better in the Zack Snyder cut. Obviously, um, I thought there was more true to her Wonder Woman movie, mm-hmm. uh, unlike the original version, which mm-hmm. sort of kind of decided to scrap that and make something new. Um, I also enjoyed the fact that we got a, the best of both worlds. We saw the Wonder Woman from the Wonder Woman movie, and sort of the one that's sort of ruthless, like in the comic books, like especially right. in the ending. So it was, <laughs> it was kind of a perfect sort of combination of the two and I actually really enjoyed um, what they were able to do with her like I felt uh, as if it was well balanced and like she didn't feel like she was forced yeah it wasn't disrespectful yeah like the 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 first version you know was was pretty disrespectful this wasn't and it was cool I think one thing that's interesting on the theme of respect is Zack Snyder Although, obviously, this version of Justice League is unlike anything in comic books. It's a very modernized, stylized, almost poetic take on these characters. The one thing Zack Snyder did keep true um, was the reverence that the rest of the universe has for characters like Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman. I think that's most prevalent in the flash-forward sequence that Cyborg has, where he sees... Um, that of all of the members of the Justice League that Darkseid kills, obviously doesn't kill Batman or the Flash or Cyborg, but in that sequence he kills uh, Aquaman and Wonder Woman, and he bends Superman to his will, uh, he does not allow Aquaman a funeral, he does allow Wonder Woman a funeral. Um, and you do have a shot of, of the Apocalypse Armada over Themyscira as they're having a funeral, which I get it, it was just meant to like, look cool and be, be a quick mm-hmm. thing, but it was interesting that Snyder chose to show Darkseid allowing for recognition of Wonder Woman uh, in that kind of a way. Speaking of Aquaman, you know, in the realm of things being different from the comic books, there is perhaps no greater deviance uh, than Jason Momoa's portrayal of Aquaman. So I think, for just start off on my, on my part, I loved Aquaman. Not the movie. I loved Aquaman in, in Justice League. The movie is very much in line with, like, Iron Man 2. It's fine. Uh. It's fine. Um, it serves well to kind of build out his 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 mythos, if, if that's the right word. Uh, I did like Black Manta in Aquaman. I thought he was done very well. In Justice League, you know, Zack clearly tried to extend it to Atlantis. He does bring in people like Willem Dafoe's character. Uh, he brings in uh, Mira. He brings in kind of like the Atlantean guard. He does try to relate it somewhat to that. But he, it, it, it's very clear that he wanted Aquaman to be his own thing, kind of this rogue loner, almost more like Batman than Batman himself. And that's kind of the vibe of us. Aquaman was a Batmanized version of the character, which is interesting. He doesn't do much in the film. He surfs on a parademon. He hits things with his stride. It doesn't do much. He has, he has a very minor role. Um, it does feel like he was certainly really only in the film to make it a Justice League movie. But I thought Mo did a good job. Like, there's nothing special, nothing bad, kind of a just like a decent performance. Right. Uh, so it's interesting having, once again, being a Marvel, you know, so full disclosure, more of a Marvel guy, but that said, grew up watching Super Friends and, and, and watching things. This sort of depiction of Aquaman that you see 
in the Justice League movie really becomes popular in the late 90s with the Justice League cartoon. And I remember that was the first time I could remember seeing a more aggressive mm. uh, Aquaman. And that was something that was interesting. And then once again, sort of um, Warner Brothers um, is affiliated with um, uh, the Entourage series. Mm. And so Aquaman is depicted by Vincent Chase, the fictional character there. And so it's interesting. Aquaman is big push for Aquaman. Um, to, I thought Jason Momoa did a really good job. Um, once again, sort of blending in sort of these this more recent characterization of Aquaman that you might see. Um, also, once again, completely different from the Joss Whedon version. Don't mm. get me wrong, it was still sort of, my brother made a joke, you know, he's bro siding. But um, <laughs> on the same token, there was a, it wasn't artificial. The character seemed very genuine. I brought it once again. I think Zack Snyder, and this will come into my grade of the movie later on, which once again I, I actually did like. Um, but I think there was sort of something that you know Zack Snyder can't help but be Zack Snyder. But once again, in some ways that worked. So you know, I think like I said, the 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 woman on the beach inhaling you know the sweater. <laughs> was a bit odd, but once again, gets to the point, Jordan, that you make, and we've talked about this in some of the pre-meetings, the deification of uh, superheroes that Zack Snyder's going for. So that makes complete sense in terms of Zack Snyder's vision for the DCEU. Um, So once again, not mad at that. Um, I thought Jason Momoa did a great job. I was genuinely interested in Aquaman's story and how Aquaman felt about his family. And I remember at the end of the first Justice League, it didn't make me want to go see Aquaman. Ironically enough, watching this, I actually want to watch Aquaman because I'm legitimately curious. And once again, it made me believe that, wow, Aquaman is a pretty powerful guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I thought the Zack Snyder cut made more sense for Jason Momoa. Um, he's obviously someone who... If we're thinking of a traditional Aquaman, he probably wouldn't fit that. He's sort of this more rogue kind of person. And I think that they did a really good job of finding, like, the right fit for him for Aquaman. Mm -hmm. And, um, like you said, in the original version, there's sort of, like, no precursor. We don't really understand why he's Aquaman or what's his story. Because he's obviously not the traditional king of... Uh, Atlantis, he's sort of this half-human, half-Atlantean who for some reason just runs the world in the original movie. But then with this one, we sort of sort of get a little more backstory. He sort of, like, he feels sort of pushed out by the Atlanteans. And he's not really human. He's sort of this in-betweener. And I, we get more connected to him. So, I don't know. They just made a good job. They did a better job of giving him a more relatable and sort of like better backstory. I, I think that last part is, it, it, he's more relatable. Yeah, much. I think he's more relatable, and I, even even despite the deification that the humans put on him, because he does things to try to help people. You know, and yes, he's this sort of rogue figure that drinks and is, you know, but he also legitimately cares about people, and so people legitimately like him. Well, I think I guess the biggest thing with Snyder's cut is when it comes to the characters, 
save for Batman, which we've already lamented right. uh, ad nauseum, uh, he does try to make everyone more relatable. I think that's, yeah. I think that's most prevalent in The Flash, mm-hmm. in Cyborg, and certainly in Aquaman. Is it, 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 unlike the first movie where you just could not connect with a single line of dialogue in that film, right. here, at least for me, like I really connected with The Flash and Cyborg, only because I've just never been a huge Aquaman mm-hmm. fan. But certainly for someone who is a big Aquaman fan, I can see them really connecting uh, with the character, and that is in no small part due to Jason Momoa's portrait. Yeah. Uh, he definitely did a great job. On the big man. Uh, the, the, the man, I mean, the, the man of steel, the man of Superman. the Superman. <laughs> um, in the first Justice League, the way Joss Whedon decided to do it was was, fought, was of the five members present in this film, uh, or six members, right? Six members? Six members. Six members of Superman, yeah. Right. So uh, the first five of them, when Superman was, was not dead or not on their team, they couldn't land a blow against Steppenwolf. Uh, and in this one, and then Superman joined, and he single-handedly defeated him. It was ridiculous. In this one, they're holding their own. They're not winning. Superman joins after they resurrect him. They win. It, it's just it's more cohesive from a plot standpoint. I've never liked Superman. I've always been against the character, um, just because like I, I don't like the idea of bestowing faith and hope into people with absolute power. Um, you know, just in terms of real-world stuff and also in comic books. Uh, it's also par- partially why I love stories like Nightmare and like Injustice, uh, because it shows, like, regular humans rising up and pushing back against oppressive dictators who, who abuse their power or what have you. Or, or the danger with someone with that right. amount of power. So I know this um, really quickly. You take a look at shows like The Boys. Or yeah, The Boys. The Boys were invincible. And it's just sort of, sort of, oh, wow, what, what, ha- what would happen right. if somebody like that landed on our planet? Yeah, the, the notion that, you've had a, that you could have a person with absolute power who knows that he or she could rule the world in a second, the notion that they would be incorruptible to me is a bit uh, a bit of a stretch. So I really did like that Zack Snyder plays with that a lot. There was a, he, he foreshadows the nightmare timeline where Superman turns evil very heavily. He shows us what that world is like. And that even once Superman's on our side, that world, that future is still a possibility. That's still where we're headed, um, which I really liked. I also, you know, I, I like that there was an actual explanation with Superman for yes. why Darkseid didn't invade before. It was mm-hmm. because the parademons or whatever their race is, the Apocalyptians, I don't know what their race is called, because the bad guys feared Superman. They didn't like the idea of a Kryptonian being on Earth, and once he died, then they, like, that was all good. Him being used as an actual part of the plot instead of guy who can punch things was was certainly welcome. Black suit was really cool. 100%. It doesn't make sense why he puts it on, because in that shot, there is every other Superman suit. <laughs> so I don't quite get why he put it on, but whatever. No. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was still cool. Uh, apparently, Batman can block his lasers with his gauntlets and bat symbol. <laughs> but why Batman didn't make his whole suit out of that material, <laughs> I don't think. It's like your, your vital organs are still exposed, bud. Um, and then the last thing which we talked about is, you know, when they resurrect Superman, it's this moment of, oh, is he good? Is he evil? Right. It's seems for a bit he doesn't really have his memories until uh again he gets martha'd by lois lane um which is fine like i get it you want to you know show his humanity again batman shows up absolutely ill prepared to do whatever uh the one thing i thought was odd is they have this moment where superman is holding back wonder woman and cyborg and the flash runs around him and superman's able to look at the flash and like and, and stave off wonder woman and cyborg while also fighting barry 
where Shmir Agedet Barry is inexperienced, but that doesn't jive with what happens a couple minutes later, where Barry is literally the only one who's fast enough to save the world. And if you show that Superman is fast enough to perceive and fight Barry while he's inside the Speed Force, then by definition, you don't need Barry as a speedster because you have Superman. Um, which to me was just a little, but it was a little weird. That didn't bother me. And Alexi, I know you're going to make the point, you're going to get back to the black suit. I think you hit the nail on his head, though. I don't think Barry was going as fast as he was at the end of the movie. At that's the true. Point. That's true. And I think that's why I, it's so funny. You take a look. I read an interview. It's so funny. I read an interview with Zack Snyder that pretty much said, and I think about the, the shots that I liked. Right. And it's so funny. I take a look. That was one of the scenes that, from the, that I thought was actually cool. When Superman is the only one that can perceive Barry, mm-hmm. and he sees him, and Barry realizes it. And what I liked in that was this fear. It's like, oh my God, because Superman can just crush him. Superman can kill him. And like, it's like that fear that you know you're, you're fighting Superman. Once again, I, I think I either brought this up or I brought this up in a pre-meeting. Superman shooting the gauntlets. I, I, I get it. I get that bugged me. It was just really like Superman would have killed Batman. That that and 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 he was clearly upset. <laughs> you know, but I totally dug the black costume because it was sort of this is something different. Mm-hmm. And in Superman, you know, so whatever he chose, he was gonna choose something different because of the moment. Yeah. And sort of signifying this rebirth. Um, because of course he is wearing his traditional suit in the Nightmare Timeline. One hundred percent. I guess no. I guess Superman decided, you know, when I change clothes, I want to look nicer no. uh, when I go and destroy the world. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. But I still dug it. I no, still it was, dug it. It was very cool. And you know, I I guess the other thing I dug was, even though once again they had only become friends for like two seconds, and it looks it at least looked like at the end of this the beginning of a of a, an actual friendship between Clark and Bruce, mm-hmm. which would make the stuff that happens in the Nightmare timeline all that more messed up because yeah. it's like, okay, this is my friend. like, And, and you're, you're, you're showing me you're not telling me they're friends now. Before, I'm supposed to really buy that Bruce was so broken up. You knew this guy for two seconds. Right. You guys weren't buds. But now it's sort of like, okay, we saved the world. We're, we're in it now. I, I did you a solid. Please don't turn evil. We're good. <laughs> so, no, Alexi. Yeah, um, sort of going off of everything that's been said, uh, I kind of agree with that point of like, uh, in Batman vs Superman, there's no real relationship that they have. They sort of fight with each other for like five minutes, and then we get, for some reason, Batman so broken up about this when the majority of the movie he's trying to kill him. And then to Jordan's point. Uh, on top of like the gauntlets only being gauntlets and not his little suit, it just was not in com- character at all for Batman. Like with no contingency plan, like why didn't he bring any kryptonite? Because this is obviously going to be something that Batman thinks about. Okay, what if we resurrect him and he's not all there? Or he doesn't remember, or, or something happens, or something goes wrong. Well, something goes wrong. Right. right. An interesting thing to bring up because I now realize Darkseid's entire. Um, unwillingness to invade rests on the notion that even though he has conquered, according to Steppenwolf and Darkseid, a hundred thousand worlds, that a single world had a shard of kryptonite on it. Like, Batman was able to get a huge rock of kryptonite, big enough to make a meteor meteor of kryptonite in a couple of weeks. But Darkseid, who spent his life conquering 
a hundred thousand worlds <laughs> couldn't get a little bit of kryptonite couldn't like coat that axe he has and just a sliver of green i don't know that, that is actually a good point uh, this is this bit. is one of those things and i i they should have added that because they didn't go over this in a, a screen rant is uh, one of my favorite uh, things to listen to they do this thing called pitch meetings yeah I love and that. this is one of those it says so would it why wouldn't the bad guys just get some kryptonite <laughs> and <laughs> just it just just, just give Steppenwolf some kryptonite, like you know. I mean, it doesn't help you against the other five. But you kill. But you one. at least, you at least like hurt Superman. Well, you I also mean. kill the one reason you weren't going to invade in the first. Right. <laughs> but no, it's it's it, it's so interesting. But I I guess what I liked about Superman and not make it, I actually felt like he was a part of the group. Sure. And. You know, Superman is so different from other characters. Or rather, DC characters are interesting in that their superhero persona is their real persona. Mm-hmm. Their 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 alter or secret identity is the the myth. That's the that's the costume. Right. When they're not in costume, that's the costume. That's what they want to project out to the world, and that's like the flip of Marvel. Um, so this is really interesting, but here, because Superman is, Quentin Tarantino is actually a, a big Superman fan, and he gives a really good analysis of Superman. You know, Clark Kent is what Superman perceives we're like. Sure. Our weaknesses, our, our fail, you know, where Superman is Superman. So it was really cool to see a Clark and a Superman that was just more real and more genuine, and he's trying to figure it out. And because he's just come back from death, he's not, he's unstoppable, yes, because he's Superman, but he's still got to figure some stuff out. Yeah, I know what's interesting is when you look at DC as compared to Marvel, Marvel's flagship superheroes are Captain America, Iron Man, and Spider-Man. All, especially with his Captain America, all you know, Native American, not Native Americans, like Native to America. Mm-hmm. They're all they're all born in America. And in Cap's case, he is the blonde hair, blue eyed, like symbol of 20th century America. Mm-hmm. At least that's what the American government projected the symbol of 20th century mm-hmm. America to be. DC, their flagship superheroes, two of the three are immigrants. Superman's mm-hmm. an immigrant. Wonder Woman's an immigrant. Batman isn't, but even Batman he, ha- is still very different from like. He portrays story. none of the American values. Right, ba- 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 Batman is the antithesis of someone mm-hmm. like Captain America. He's willing to go on his own and go beyond the rule of law to do what he believes is right. Uh, I think it's interesting that you know super- DC, like Marvel, was created by immigrants, right? The the, mm-hmm. the the Jewish immigrants from the Holocaust were the birth of the superhero industry. Stanley went to DC. I forget who the founder of Stanley went to Marvel. Stanley went to Marvel. I forget who the founder of DC is, but they, they were all Jewish immigrants. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that DC chose to make their flagship heroes immigrants, whereas Marvel chose to make them kind of like the representation of America's heartland. Well, well, well yes and no. Keep in mind, Captain America disappears from Marvel comic books for quite a bit. Remember, the only reason we have a... a, a a renaissance with Captain America is because Marvel sold the film rights to Spider-Man and X-Men yeah. and Fantastic Four. So when you look at those series that become the flagship series in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, before 2008 with Iron Man, you know, you have X-Men 
which is a big allegory for civil rights. Mm-hmm. You have um, Spider-Man. Spider-Man's a poor kid from Queens. So it's it, what's interesting about Marvel is it actually, in its own way, does have a wide tapestry of what America sure. is. You have you have Black Panther, who is an immigrant, uh, but is not. He's not seeking to be part of America. Right. Black Panther is very secure with his crown. <laughs> you have Blade, who is going back and forth between the two worlds because he's a vampire as well. But you take a look at X-Men Fantastic Four. The Fantastic Four definitely represents a family. Yeah. You know, a a, a family, and, and yes, the majority, all their members are white. Um, but you take a look at the X-Men, you take a look at other teams, you do see more diversity in yeah, those definitely, groups. Definitely in the modern day. I will say more for like, you know, 40s through 60s. So like, 60s, yes. Yeah, 60s, like, yes. Like, like 60s, during, yes. During, during the birthplace of comic okay, books, yes. DC chose to make their mark with immigrants. 100%. I, I, I think that was super interesting. Well, well, Superman is an immigrant story. He's not from here at all. Yeah. He's not even from the planet. Yeah. Right. Oh, that was an interesting story. Um, no, 100%. Do you have anything to add? Oh, yeah. Uh, I completely agree. Um, the sort of idea that we're getting these sort of more humanized characters in the movie is mm-hmm. um, much more relatable. I think that where Superman failed and hit in his standalone movies were that he didn't feel like human. He, like Mike Jordan said, yes. felt like this god who could do whatever he wanted. And so he sort of, he, in the case of like almost every um, first meeting between Batman and Superman, I'm sort of with Jordan where it's like, okay, it's this all-powerful person. And so I think that that makes sense and they did a good job of like of making him more human. I mean, in the Josh Whedon cup, we get this Superman Ugh. who says, do you bleed? Like, what the hell is that? First of all, that's nothing. That doesn't make sense contextually. And second of all, that's just not something Superman would say. Not at all. And um, it, the point about the black suit, um, I feel like I understand what they're trying to do. The only issue is cinematically, they showed his normal suit, which was sort of like, Okay, normal suit, hello. But the black suit's actually a, um, sort of a point at um, uh, the death of Superman mm-hmm. in the comic books, and then so eventually the reign of the Superman when he gets re-resurrected, mm-hmm. and we sort of see him in his black suit, and so that's sort of like a point. And question, you would know this better than I do. Should the black suit have had a cape? No. No. The black, the black suit shouldn't. He shouldn't have had a cape. The black. The black suit doesn't have a cape. The black suit doesn't have a cape. Yeah. Um, interesting. So, yeah, I actually really enjoyed Superman, this yeah. version, because he wasn't this all-powerful person who doesn't seem human. Um, he was actually, and he actually not only made, he wasn't the answer to the plot, he was a part of this plot. Yeah. Ex- exactly. Yeah, that's the big Exactly. Well, I guess for me also, Alexa brings up a very good point in terms of the humanness, and I didn't think about it. Listen, I actually, I actually liked Man of Steel. I didn't think it was amazing. I thought it was solid. Yeah, um, but it's funny. Even it's it's Superman is either a god or he's a confused being that's becoming a god, with the exception of one scene. Because the other scenes where he's a kid and all this stuff is happening to him when he's a little kid, he's clearly a kid becoming a god, and his parents know that. And the things that are happening to him is he's seeing mm-hmm. things and lighting things on fire with his eyes, and he's seeing and freaking out. It's like okay. The one moment where he's human is that argument he has 
with his dad right before his dad dies. Mm-hmm. In that, he seems like a 17, 18 year old person who'd be having a fight with their parents. And, you know, the parent is, it's just like, you can do whatever you want. You can, of course, you don't have to, you're superhuman. And then he's like, I didn't, you know, and in that moment, he's like, I didn't, I'm sorry, I didn't, you know. But even then, it flips off because he knows he can save his father. Yeah. And the father, t- anybody listens, his father tells him no. In that moment, he seemed human. Otherwise, in the rest of Man of Steel, no. Yeah. Also, keeping in mind, he didn't save a single person. I yes. mean, in Man, <laughs> I mean, in Man of Steel, first of all, I hate. This is another issue, but I hate the representation of Lois Lane in the DCEU. She is just, she's not this like competent, strong-headed woman who's willing to like get the story. She's willing to get her hands dirty. But in the DCEU, she's sort of just. This person is like falling in love with Superman. Right. That's her main. They did. Right. And I don't like that. I agree with that. I did. Uh, I did. I, no. Once again, the, 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 not to say that comic books don't have a a problem historically in how they depict women. They they do. Certainly in that you you're correct. Yes. I think that what the Man of Steel did was we get this introduction to Superman, but. They completely forget that he's grown up his entire life on Earth. He is a human, technically. Yes, because he, of his, he, he says that at the end. Yes, but, <laughs> but when he's getting interviewed by Lois Lane, he's acting like he's just come from this other 100%. planet. He's like, yes. no, it's a symbol for hope. He doesn't act human <laughs> at all. He's sort of this robot who doesn't understand human interaction. You're absolutely, you're absolutely. 100%. And he's, 100%. He's a god there. He's not this human who's sort 100%. of just been growing up on this planet. Well, it's so funny because the way he interacted with the general at the end when he knocks off the satellite, if he had just interacted like that before, it's like, guys, listen, here's the deal. I've been here since I was a baby. You know, and he says, he's like, I'm from Kansas. I'm, 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 I'm an American. Uh, yeah. I'm, and, and you're absolutely right. He, he's, he, you have this person that's been, you know, been raised by humans in the heartland, all this stuff. You're absolutely right. In that interrogation scene, yeah, interview ridiculous. with Lois, he's acting like an alien. He's good point. All right. Last thing to wrap up, plot of Justice League. We've gotten pretty far. The <laughs> only thing we haven't talked about is the final battle, um, the flash time stuff, and then just like all of all the little epilogues. So we can go through that uh, pretty quickly. I think the final battle, just for me, Whatever, it's a superhero movie. You're gonna have a big battle. Uh, Batman does nothing. The only people, <laughs> Wonder Woman does nothing, and Aquaman does nothing. No, no, no. Wonder no, Woman Wonder did Woman, something at the end. I, 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 no, no, no. Wonder Woman and Aquaman do their part. They sure. don't right, yeah. do as much. They, just, they sure, do their sure. part. Right. It really is Superman, Batman. And, uh, sorry, Superman, Superman, The Flashes, and several. Yeah. Uh, the biggest thing for me is obviously spoilers ahead, but it does. The Justice League loses initially. The mother boxes do their unity thing. Mm-hmm. They come together. Cy- the Flash doesn't hit Cyborg to do the electromagnetic pulse or whatever he was gonna do. Because uh, for some reason he manages to get shot even right. though he's moving. Even though he's moving fast from the speed of light, whatever, it's fine. Um, <laughs> and then and and so the mother boxes explode. So Barry, who's been shot quickly heals he phases right. into into the speed force he has this great moment where he's talking to himself about what he has to do how fast he has to go he has to break the rule and then he runs and runs so fast that he runs the entire world back in time mm-hmm. i 
cannot stress enough how incredible that scene was. It was great. The music, the acting, every single (laughs) facet. I felt the way I felt in that scene, similar to how I felt in the portal scene in Endgame. Like, it was that big. Really? It was that deep to you? Not like like tears in my eyes, like, you know, screaming. Because I'm like... The no, portal no. scene in Endgame, I was no. crying. As was I. When oh, T'Challa really? comes out and Spider-Man drops down. Oh, on your as, last line. I was, I was like, exactly. But, but like, I was, I was crying. Absolutely, but in terms of just like feeling of just awesomeness. Like, okay, this was, it was awesome. Right, no, it, yeah. was, it was unbelievable. <laughs> um, so that scene was, that scene was amazing. Certainly, for me, at least the best part of the film. Uh, and the music, like, it, we, don't, oh, yeah. we, we don't often talk about music. Because um, we obviously focus on the plot and the characters oh, yeah. or whatever. Uh, but Marvel and, and Star Wars, to, uh, sorry, Star Wars and Marvel to an extent have kind of pioneered this genre of just you know massive orchestral music that makes you want to stand up and go run a marathon. Is the way I describe it. Um, certainly the Star Wars theme, certainly the Alan Silvestri Avengers theme, and then the original Justice League and the Man of Steel and the Batman v Superman music kind of sucked. Even even I mean, Hans, very, it didn't, even it, didn't, it even, doesn't inspire. So. Right. Even Hans Zimmer, who did the Batman v Superman music, Hans Zimmer is the second greatest film composer of all time, no question about it. Even he didn't really have that much to work with for Batman v Superman. Tom Holkenborg or Berg, who did the music for Justice League, you know, he's a relatively unknown guy. Like he's not a John Williams or Alan Silvestri or Michael Giacchino, but his theme for Barry Allen in that scene was absolutely incredible. Um, and, and he really did a stellar job capturing that moment. So he definitely <laughs> he definitely deserved some recognition uh, for the job he did. Other than that, the epilogues were nice. They were fine. We got were they two scores. different scores? For yeah, Justice League and the and the they, they were two yeah. different scores. Yeah. Different scores. Okay. Yeah. Um, in terms of the epilogues, they were fine. I forgot what Wonder Woman did. Hers hers and Superman's were very forgettable. Uh, Cyborg had a nice film where he was like listening to yes. his dad in the recording. It was very touching. Uh, Barry Allen showed his dad that he, I think he 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 gets in to some law law thing mm-hmm. uh, that He's I actually I love the guy who's playing Henry Allen. It's sad that he's no longer part of the DCEU, uh, but I thought he was really phenomenal. He brought a, a really um, human element. Matthew, what is it? Matthew Wink- Henry Winkler? Matthew- it's something no, like that. He's a very good actor. He yeah. was great. Um, Batman's good. epilogue was cool. We got Martian Manhunter. That's sick. And then, obviously, we had the vision into the Nightmare timeline. Yeah. Uh, where we saw the remnants of humanity's alliance, right? Batman, Deathstroke, Joker, uh, the Flash, Cyborg, and, Mir- and Mira uh, all trying to figure out a way to kill evil Superman and Darkseid and undo uh, that timeline. And that got me really excited. It sucks that we will probably never see that film mm-hmm. because Zack Snyder has voiced he does not want to return to the DCEU. And WB has said they are not going to restore the Snyderverse, uh, despite despite a fan outcry for it. So, you know, it is unfortunate. Billy Crudup. Billy Crudup, thank you. <laughs> uh, it, it, it is unfortunate, but I, I thought overall Justice League was really good. I really enjoyed watching it. Certainly has its faults. Certainly has <laughs> certainly has its logical leaves. I thought you could fire an arrow halfway around the world and just have it perfectly land in the one spot you needed to, <laughs> and light a fire that would blaze eternally. Whatever. That scene really bothered me. Um, <laughs> but other than that, I thought it was great. I really enjoyed it. It's Would a little long. It? I'd give it an A minus. I give it's, it's a solid A minus. I'll probably never watch the whole thing again, but <laughs> but, but I could see myself rewatching like, the Barry Allen scene 
um, or, or maybe a few segments from it. Huh. Um, yeah, that, that's my final thing. Uh, Mr. Caldwell, give so, your spiel. And then sure, no problem. So for me, and it's funny to talk about music and just having watched the Oscars last night, and I was really happy with the song. And the songs that were nominated for best song were great and best score and stuff like that too. So I would agree. I think that um, the Marvel music is great. Star Wars, that... The greatest soul score of all time. Awesome. Um, I would tie that with the score for The Godfather. Mm. The God, the score for The Godfather 1 and 2, incredible. And the score for Rocky. What else? Uh, if, if, we're exactly, bran- I, if, if we're branching out to non-superhero yeah. stuff, uh, I'd add then Schindler's List and Indiana Jones. 100%. Oh, oh, no, no. Iconic. Um, so you take a look at... And also... Uh, Terrence Williams has done some amazing scores for Spike Lee films, yes. which are nuts. Actually, I, 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 people might think, you know, so I say Spike Lee, so people might think, oh, Malcolm X do the right thing. Uh, Terrence Williams' score for this movie called 25th Hour Great film. is incredible. Like, the score for that movie was incredible. So, anyway, getting back to Justice League. So, I was, when you said, you said, wow, it was like the, when the portals opened, like, listen, end of end game, yeah. last 30 minutes of end game, I was up screaming and crying. Okay. It's, it's obviously not that big. Okay. It's just that general feeling. That general feeling. Yes, yes. You know, because like I said, you hear on the left. I was like, oh my God. No, trust going. me. That I was that said. That was messed. That said, while I didn't get to that level, you know, I I have to admit, I liked all the characters. I, I, I too of late when I think about the Superman versus Batman conflicts I always think about Batman's central problem with Clark in the Dark Knight Returns comic book and as a result ever since I read that comic book I've never quite been able to look at Superman the same way Um, which is surprising how much I like Man of Steel once again don't like it's not amazing but it's a good movie I I rewatched it my younger daughter likes it so I've, I've watched it with her um, what I liked about the movie was I liked all the characters. You know, when I when I watched the first Justice League, I felt like it was a waste of my time. And money. I, I felt and like, money. and I I felt like, and that was only just over two hours. Mm-hmm. This was a four-hour movie that I started at nine o'clock at night, and I still thought it was awesome. And oh, you watched it all in one sitting. I watched it all in well, one sitting. I watched it over a couple days. I thought I was gonna fall asleep. And, I, and this is the thing, right? So this is, and you'll see what the grade I give. I really thought I was going to fall asleep, and I didn't. I was always engaged. Once again, you guys gave the stat 24 minutes of slow-mo. The deification is a little bit weird, and you know, but I like what they did with each character. Just like in-game, just like Infinity War, just like Civil War. Mm. I felt like there was a reason for every single character to be there. Yes. And they were showing, not telling. Um, there's some weaknesses, once again, a, a ton of plot inconsistencies <laughs> and the slow-mo. So that knocks the grade down. But I give it a solid B. And Oh, I, way lower than mine. No, but this is like a real, not a grade inflated B. This is like a solid B. Like, this would be a B like, wow, let's expand on this. Because coming from the other Justice League, that was a C minus. So we're showing, so we're, so we're, we're, exactly, we're showing growth. 
right. We're showing tons of growth. Right, so they might as well get a B plus. Then. So I like, yeah, I gave this a solid B with the hope that at the end, this student can get an A minus or an A in this <laughs> class. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I, and ultimately, I walked out of the movie feeling good. Yeah, that's right. Whereas Batman vs Superman. I want to collage. Right, Batman vs Superman. Justice League. And the first Justice League. I walked out like this was such a waste of my time. I remember I saw the first Justice League, what, 2017 was seventh grade, right? You'd be in seventh grade, yeah. Yeah. I remember I, I saw it with one of my best friends and we looked at each other like, we're seventh graders. And even we were like, this was the worst film we've ever seen in our lives. What? Like, this was terrible. Well, Batman vs. Superman, I, I I can only think of literally two movies worse than Batman vs. Superman. Like, like just right. um, The Counselor. Which was directed by Ridley Scott, which and that had an amazing cast, one of the worst movies I've ever seen, and uh, Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen. Oh God, that's Wonder Woman two there. Wonder Woman. I haven't 2. seen it yet. You ever seen Gravity? So it's awful. So it's funny. I Gravity first, sucks. So wait a second. First time I saw Gravity, I liked it, but now I'm reading all this stuff like there's no way any of that could have possibly happened. More than that, I remember. Or even that. the George Clooney thing. Apparently, there was no reason for her to let him get like he more didn't do that. More than that, I remember. I saw, I saw just a bit of a tangent. I saw her with my mom. She went to the bathroom for half an hour running the film. Came back. She said, "What did I miss?" I said, "She's still floating." The mom left again, and now we're in the film. The mom was about three times in that movie. And every time she came back, I said, she's still floating. Because that movie is two and a half hours of Sandra. It's 30 minutes of actual plot. And it is two and a half hours of Sandra Bullock floating in space. Gravity, to me, is the worst film ever made. It doesn't, it's, ironically enough, it doesn't hold up over time. Which is probably, did it win Best Picture? No, he won no, Best Director. No, I won Best Director. No. He won Best Director. I forget the film. That one it's 2014. I'll, I'll 2014, we'll look at it. Anyway, the movie, I walked out of the movie not regretting it. Yeah. I walked out of the movie saying, you know what? It was fun. I liked Alfred. I thought Jeremy Irons. Yeah, fantastic. Did a great job. I, I, I know you guys, and I get it once again, being a Cyclops fan and having my favorite character abused on screen for two decades now, with the exception of like Apocalypse, pretty much. Um, I get you guys the problems with Batman, but I like Ben Affleck's yes. take on Batman. I thought he made good choices as an actor for how he portrayed him, so I, 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 I like that. So I, I give the movie a B, a solid B, but it's a good solid B. I would watch it with, you know, my daughters are a little younger, um, so it's so funny. My older daughter's probably like a year away from being able to watch it. Mm-hmm. So my point is, I rewatch it with her, sure. like, and not be mad about it. Like, you uh-huh. know, if she wants to, you know, when my daughter says she wants to watch Door Dark World, I'm gonna roll my eyes and be like, okay, you know. So no, I would easily watch this again. Sure. All right, Alexa. Um, I don't know. Quickly, um, I'm gonna say B, maybe B plus, but I'm feeling generous. I sort of rethought my grade from last uh, episode. And the Batman thing is a big thing for me, and yeah. I think that's... Right. I, I yeah, that no, we know, we get it. I, mean, I, mean, I get it. I thought yeah. so. For me, that brings us down to BB Floss. Yeah, right. it's, it's a very... Uh, uh, we discussed this topic last week, so I won't get into it again. Um, I thought the end, the epilogues provided, like, a sort of, good, co- sort of closure, with the exception of, again, the way Batman would have acted, seeing Martian Manhunter for the first time. Another issue. Um, oh. um, 
uh, I quite enjoyed that little sneak peek onto Apocalypse, the planet Apocalypse. We get to see Grand Goodness, the side, mm-hmm. uh, Dark Side. They did a very good job of sort of just portraying them. Um, I thought the movie was definitely a huge step up from the mm-hmm. last one. Um, and in terms of sort of the music, just the overall feeling felt yeah. a lot yeah. more engaging. It I felt heroic. Like I didn't. It, yes. It. It felt heroic. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't feel like okay. There's just random people with these weird powers fighting some weird yeah. dude who's uh, why is he even here? What are these things that he's bringing together? Okay. Oh, Superman. I know who that is. Oh, he's gonna solve all my problems. And so, I think just for those reasons, it's it's a way bit better improvement. Sure. Oh, well, thank you guys so much. Uh, thank you all all for listening. Next week, we're going to do Falcon Winter Soldier. It's going to be a lot more of us. Next week, it's going to be like five or six people. Um, and and that'll, that'll definitely be a lot of fun. Got a lot to talk about there. Um, then, we'll, then we'll return to Justice League one last time. And then we'll have more stuff. Um, hope you all enjoyed. And see you next Monday.